0: he is present, to be faithful as he is faithful to his promises, committed not to ourselves but to a world worth saving. Ezekiel chapter 36 is where we find ourselves this morning. Ezekiel chapter 36, we're going to be reading verses uh, 22 through 36. And before we uh, pray, to, uh, before we dive in, let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that it speaks to your people. And it does not matter the time or the place, for your spirit speaks the truth. And your spirit desires to have us listen. And so may you remove the distractions, may you open our hearts, and may may we listen to you. We pray in Christ's name, amen. We are all, in many ways, trying to figure out what has happened in the last 20 months or so. I would dare bet that most of us, if we are honest, know that our lives are a little bit like that. Maybe for some of us, the piece has fallen all the way onto the floor and is under the piano, and we can't even find it. For some of us, most of the things that we have in our lives are maybe still, there's part of it that's still put together, part of it's still fairly organized, still in its place, but most of us recognize that There are things that are just different, and a lot of them are completely beyond our control. It's just things that we experience now. For example, if we want to go out to eat, we now know that if we're going to go out to eat, if the restaurant is empty, that does not mean that we can walk in and have a table. We might wait 20 minutes for a table, even if half of the restaurant is empty. That's just the way things are now. We also know that every single place we go is likely to have a little sign that says, we are short-staffed, please be patient. We know that the places we used to shop, maybe it's the places we used to get food, they have limited hours now. Because there are not enough people to work, or they've made the choices because of financial reasons. There are just limitations. And again, not necessarily bad or good, it's just different. And so for many of us, even the way that we think about picking up food... We can't just run by, quick grab something, go home, eat, and then carry on in our day. We sort of have to build things a little bit different now because things have changed. And that's not even naming the things that are underneath the surface. For example, uh, two years ago, half of restaurants were saying that employment issues, keeping employment uh, employees and getting employees, keep uh, that was... Half of the restaurant's biggest priority. Now it's well over to uh, three quarters, heading toward eighty percent. In other words, the main thing restaurant owners and managers are dealing with right now is trying to find people. It's not pleasing customers. It's not any of that. It's just trying to find people to work. We know it's different. We're trying to rebuild with hospitals. Surgeries are postponed practices that we would go in, doctor's meetings, all of those things are different. And so the way that we try to rebuild our lives or orient our lives around these things is just new. For some of us, we were so used to getting a phone call. Now it's no phone call. It's all automation. Some of us are having to learn technology not because we want to, but because we have to. It's the only way to actually connect with someone is to go through 17 steps of automation before you can get a real live voice. And that's just different. Again, we can bemoan whether that's terrible and tragic or whether that's a good thing. Our purposes this morning are not necessarily to give a rating to that as much as to simply recognize that we're all rebuilding. All of us are. We're still trying to figure out church. We're still trying to figure out our microphones. We're still trying to figure out live streaming. We're still trying to figure out how our leadership system works. Just a week ago, a few of us on Sunday afternoon were talking about the weaknesses in our current setup of administrative elders, shepherd elders, and deacons and how we may have to rethink some of those things, even though that's a fairly new setup. And again, it maybe has fallen apart, and we could talk about how terrible that is, but our text this morning wants to zero in on the fact that there is no breaking apart, that there's no falling of blocks, no destruction of system. That is beyond God's rebuilding. In God's world, there is never a life that is too far gone. In God's kingdom, there is, a never, there is not a relationship that cannot be restored. In God's economy, there are unending resources. Now, that doesn't mean that every story has a happy ending. But it does mean that when our lives feel like this, that is not the end. And our text this morning comes from a long time ago five, six, seven hundred years before Jesus comes. So we're talking 2,700 years ago. And yet for the people of God, this message then is the same message this morning. Because the person who writes this book, Ezekiel, is one of the 10,000 or so exiles who have been taken from what was familiar to them. They lived in Jerusalem, they grew up in Jerusalem, they were leaders in Jerusalem, they were the movers and shakers in Jerusalem 700 years or so before Jesus. And Ezekiel is one of those who is in the know, he's in the courts, he's part of the ruling class. And the northern kingdom of Israel has fallen and now Babylon has surrounded and laid waste to Jerusalem or at least part of Israel, and they have carted off 10,000 of these Israelites. And so Ezekiel is one of these 10,000 who have been removed from home, removed from everything that is familiar to them. Everything has broken down. And the question now is what will God do? And this is significant in this book. We're going to read from chapter 37, but as you'll note, there's a, a whole number of chapters before this. In Ezekiel, for the first two-thirds of the book, the first two-thirds of the book, you can count through the chapters or so, Ezekiel, God is used by Ezekiel to say to the people of God, we have messed up. We are the reason everything is broken. We have ignored God. The people who are in uh, the kingly class, They have ignored God. The priests have ignored God. We have participated in the fact that the kingdom of God has in one little shake fallen over. And then there's a shift where God inspires Ezekiel to stop saying, look what you've done, and instead says, Look what I'm going to do. And that's where we pick it up this morning. Verse 22. Therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Notice the attribute there. Sovereign, able, almighty, powerful, capable, ruler, king. For your sake, people of Israel, I am going to do these things. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations, I will gather you from all the countries, and I will bring you back into your own land. Read, I will bring you home. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Here, I will make you new again. Verse 26, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. Hear God saying, I will repair your broken heart. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to help you keep my laws. Hear I will help you. Then you will live in the land I will give your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Listen for that because that's what we're going to focus on next week. That phrase. I will save you from all your uncleanliness. I will, call you, I will call for the grain and make it plentiful. I will not bring famine upon you. I'll increase the fruit of your trees and the crops of your fields so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then, because you have been brought home, you have been made clean, your heart has been repaired, and I will help you. You will remember your evil ways and your wicked deeds. You will loathe yourself for your sins and detestable practices. Notice this is about the past. This is what the sovereign Lord says. On that day, I will cleanse you from your sin. I will resettle your towns. I will be. and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through. They will say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. And the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. For I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. Thanks be to God for his word. I want you to imagine a Christmas concert. Most of us have been to a Christmas concert this past week, or we will in a couple of weeks. Usually at a Christmas concert, there are some main parts, some main actors or actresses, some main soloists, people who will give their voices. And I want you to imagine that for weeks, They have been practicing for these concerts. They have been practicing their lines. They have them memorized. They have all of the parts laid out. They have the choreography. Everything is set. There's a sword fight scene. And so everybody knows the the moves and all of the choreography is set. The, The emphasis on the words is right. The mics are cued into the voices and everything is ready to go. And then the night before the first performance, the seven main cast members The main singers go out and all share in one appetizer and get food poisoning. Now, when we go to the concert the next night and all of those seven main characters, main singers, main actors are gone, and things go off without a hitch, there's something in us that says, That was amazing. Beyond what we could have hoped. When a show goes off really, really well and everyone has practiced, we celebrate it, we enjoy it, we're thankful for the talent, we celebrate the goodness, we celebrate the gifts. But when the starting lineup gets taken out and the backups are just as good, Do we not say about the director, they are unbelievable? Do we not say about the one who is leading the show, that was unbelievable? You had practiced all of that time, and yet you were planning for every contingency. Do our hearts not get elevated in a way to say, we could never have imagined that was possible That is precisely what God says in this passage. Notice the one who acts and who the action is for. And this is so crucial. This is so critical. Because God says, it is not for your sake that I'm going to rebuild you. He doesn't say to 1st Cutlerville, I'm going to rebuild you so that you look really great. I'm not going to rebuild you so that everybody around you thinks, that's a church I want to go to. I'm going to rebuild you from the ashes so that everyone will know just how amazing of a God I am. Because if I can take what is splintered on the floor and bring it back, that's unbelievable. If I can take the story that seems to have no possible good ending and bring about good, does not the audience afterward? It's a standing ovation for the director, for the subs, for those who kept going and pressing on. And God says, you have failed me, yes. You have broken what I have given you. But for the sake of my glory, I'm going to take you and I'm going to rebuild you in a way where it's not about you figuring it out, It's not about you getting it together and having Moab and Ammon and the Philistines and Phoenicia around you saying, wow, look at how hard Israel worked to get it together. It's not about that at all. It's about the nations around them saying, they abandoned their God and yet look at how he he picked up the pieces and how he rebuilt them. Now the reason this is so crucial for us, the reason this is so crucial for us is that when in the midst of all of our rebuilding, for some of us it's trying to rebuild after a, a total disaster. We have found ourselves at rock bottom. We are trying to figure out who we are after a midlife crisis. We're trying to figure out who we are after a spouse has passed. We're trying to figure out who we are after a job loss or a string of terrible decisions. And yet the The point of God's rebuilding us is never for us to say to our friends or to the mere, ah, I've arrived again. No, God does this for the sake of his name. And the way that this changes our story is significant. Notice how when God tells us his story with his people, he doesn't leave out the bad part. He puts them in there and says to us, if I can take them and I can build something glorious for my sake with them, I can do that with you too. And the Apostle Paul says as much in one of his letters. He says, If God can take me, the chief of sinners, the very worst of sinners, a sinner who killed Christians, a sinner who completely ignored the call of Jesus Christ, a person who for years thought they were so righteous and good and built a life on that. If God can take me, the worst of sinners, God can certainly use us. For the sake of, of his name and so the invitation for us as we think about our lives in the midst of how they have been toppled whether small ways or large ways that God is doing this not so eventually we can say I'm back on my feet again But so God can point, and we can point, how God has taken us and said, I've given you a home. I've made you clean. I've repaired your heart. And I will give you my spirit to tell that story. And Jesus, our Savior, Jesus the Son, is the beginning of that movement, that resurrection process. Coming in the flesh to show us the extent to which God will go to rebuild. Let's pray. Lord, some of us uh, this morning need a gentle reminder that we are not beyond the reach of your grip. That our sin is not too big that we have outsinned the mercy of God or the rebuilding ability of God. Others of us this morning are trying to make sense of all of the changes. There are smaller changes, there are little things, there are schedule things, there are work things, there are life things. But we still struggle because we maybe haven't allowed you, by your Spirit, to truly soften our hearts to hearts of flesh. And we are living in a way that we are trying to make this about how great we are reflecting you which is a dangerous close cousin. It's not about ourselves being amazing so we can make ourselves perfect for you. It's about you taking us and using us how you will for your sake and for your name. With hearts of flesh, with lives that are open to the movement of your spirit. Others of us, God, we come this morning, we're really not sure where we are. But we are longing for a home and for a sense of home that where we are is a good place to be. We feel far away from who we want to be or the life that we wish we had. God, may you remind us that when you are with us, we are home. And you came in the flesh to show us that, that you will be our God and we are and will be your people. For the sake of your name and for the good of your people, we pray this in Christ Jesus name.